0: Hey friend, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Brooke Tabor from The Gorgeous Grace. Today, she and I are chatting about fruitful faith, obedience, embracing trials, and overcoming self-love. Y'all, her humility and passion are endearing and contagious. I can't wait for you to tune in to discover His Gorgeous Grace for yourself. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: You say that 2019 was a year of growth for you spiritually. Never in your life have you grown so much in the Lord than last year. Would you give us a glimpse of what this year of growth looked like for you?
1: Yes. Um, So the beginning of 2019, um, I would say I was a Christian, but I was definitely still living my life for myself. And um I think it was around my birthday. I just I I mean I had been praying for years like Lord use me in whatever way you want me to use me, but there were still things that I was kind of holding on to that were very much reflecting of myself and not glorifying to the Lord. And so I really just started um diving into scripture for myself and I think that a huge part of it was me realizing that Majority of my life, I had been living a secondary faith where I was getting all of my knowledge of the Lord and everything from everybody else but the Bible. And I was going to the Bible occasionally and, you know, reading for myself, but I found that there was a huge difference between going to church and listening to what my pastor had to say about God and, you know, just diving into the word for myself or even listening to podcasts and reading books outside of the Bible. Everybody has their own idea and has their own personal relationship with God. But for me, it was, you know, not having that secondary faith and really trying to strive for the Lord on my own. And that's where it it made such a huge impact on my faith and kind of just giving up certain things and then replacing them with, with Bible reading. So whether that was, okay, I'm going to start giving up TV every Monday night because there was a show that I watched every Monday night. And I was like, you know what, this show isn't exactly glorifying the Lord (laughs) in my life. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give that up and I'm going to replace that with Bible reading or, you know, um, a study with my husband, um, on those nights. And so that's kind of what I did. And I started the, you know, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you see the sin in yourself, (laughs) And so I, that, that's exactly what happened. And I started seeing different things that I needed to eliminate and just replacing them with Bible reading time or just prayer time or just worship. And I feel like that is what made the huge difference in growth in me this last year.
0: I love how practical, um, that you are describing this. And I I just, I'm relating so much to what you're saying, because I sort of had the same epiphany this past, um, summer that I'm reading everybody else's words of Jesus's words mm-hmm. and not yeah. actually like his words. And so right. I have been making since this, um, that revelation, um, similar to yours that it's, I've been in the word been, Exactly. really, yeah. So I relate to what you're saying so much, And um, but because of your love for the word, you are now embarking on a new journey as a student as, at Liberty University.
1: Yes, so
0: fun. <laughs> I know. I was actually, before this interview, picking your brain of, about that because I, I don't know. I don't know. I, we'll see. I know this is like, re, we're recording this, so I guess sort of sneak it out. <laughs> yes. It maybe in my future too. But um, so your prayer for this phase of your life while working on your degree is that as your knowledge increases, humility and love increase all the more. So going yes. back to school for ministry was not your initial plan. No, so man. how has God changed your desires?
1: Yes. So man, it's, it's so good. And I think it all comes down to knowing that knowledge can go two ways. And I think one, it can either increase your love for God and your love for people, or it can increase your pride. And I, I saw a post on Facebook the other day at somebody and I, while I agree to an extent, I also chose to disagree. And it says that we become more whenever we get closer to God. And while, like I said, while I agree with that to an extent, I had to look at it closer and say, you know, the closer we get to God, like the less that we should become, you know, because in John 30 or John 330, it says that he must increase and I must decrease. So the closer we get to the Lord, the more humble we should become. And in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, it says that it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So in that case, like the closer and the more knowledge we have of God, the more we see ourselves and we say like, wow, woe is me. Like I am a man of unclean lips, like what it says in Isaiah. And the more we sit in the presence of God, the more we um, should realize who we are and how much we need God. And The second one, whenever I say it can increase her pride, is in 1 Corinthians one eight. it says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So knowledge for knowledge's sake, without a relationship with God and without abiding in Him and His Word, it's really just going to produce pride in us. So I think going into school, it's been my prayer um, that God would just guard my heart and show me where I need to be more humble because as knowledge can increase, it can be very easy to look at other people and say, well, you don't know this. And I know this and just really start to feel puffed up yourself. And, and that's the furthest place that I want to be. So just a prayer over this school time that I'm able to become more humble and just increase my love for others in a way that is uh, worthy of Christ. Mm,
0: that is a beautiful perspective and just such a good awareness. Uh, well, yeah. so this, this step for you is an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. And so on the topic of obedience, you're quoted to say that walking in obedience is always worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So so what comes to mind, um, or I guess, what makes you come to this conclusion and, and how do you obey even when it's difficult?
1: So <laughs> It's funny. I was thinking about this a few months back and there's a song. I'm a, I'm a country music lover. We live in Texas and there's a song by Jacob and it says, I'll go anywhere with you. And I'm sure, I'm not sure if y'all are country music fans, but it says I'll go anywhere. West Virginia, I don't care. Mexico on a wild hair. And he just keeps talking about, you know, he would go anywhere with this person that he loves. And it got me thinking like, man, God, would I go that far for you? Like Would I travel light? Would I pack all my bags? Would I go anywhere with you, God? And if we can sing this about humans, like why would we second guess singing this about God? Like if -hmm. God is calling me to do it, then why wouldn't I trust God and and do it? Um, And I like to say like, if God's not in it, then I'm not doing it. Um, And if God is calling me to it, why wouldn't I trust his plan? Because his plans are always far better than ours. And There's a, there's a quote by Dale Partridge. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he says that we're actually the beneficiaries of obedience, um, because God obviously knows what's ahead and we may suffer in the process because obedience sometimes isn't always easy, but, um, man, like whenever we suffer, it says in the Bible that, you know, suffering produces endurance and all of that just is a snowball effect into, uh, I guess suffering well and being an example for others of what it looks like to go through and follow Christ completely and uh there's actually another quote by my pastor uh and he says that delayed obedience is still disobedience. Mm-hmm. And I think a problem for me is I can sometimes get a prayer answered from God and I sit back and I continue to pray over that prayer and kind of reflect and hope that God is going to change his plans. Mm-hmm. And and you know at that point, prayer at that point is disobedience because if I've already gotten my answer and I'm still praying for something different to happen, you know, that's, that's disobedience towards God. And I like to think of it with my kids. We don't do the one, two, three counting thing because I mean, that's just training delayed obedience. And if I want my kids to grow up and obey right away, like we're going to cut this one, two, three game out because I do it myself. I, I say, okay, God, like you've given me this now. Now you have to count to three. And before you get to three, I'm going to continue praying for you to change your plans. I'm going to, I'm going to pray that you change your mind and God's not going to change his mind. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think whenever I sit back and, and realize that God's plan and God's sovereignty is so much stronger over my life, whenever I just sit back and trust him and just have complete surrender to him, I mean, that's where the fullness
0: of joy is. So we are absolutely the beneficiaries of obedience. Wow, that's so interesting. And you know, we tried to do the same thing in our household, like that first time obedience, right? Like, exactly. Um, no counting. And then you said before we started talking, you said your husband, you all are a military family. Yes. And so I'm just, I'm just thinking about in military terms, like the discipline and the obedience. Yes. And like, yeah, yeah. They don't come the three days. I always <laughs>
1: joke with my husband that I could have never been in the military because. I, uh, have a way of doing things. My, myself, I was, this is, this is how real it is. I was a waitress for like two days because I was like, one too many people asked me to go get them some more water. And at that time, you know, I was so young and I think I was like 20 yeah. years old and I was like, go get it yourself, you know, kind of thing. So it's funny how the Lord's changed my heart in that, because I think, I think I have more obedience now than I do Then At least I would pray. though. But it's certainly funny to see how God changes our hearts.
0: Yeah, we are works in progress. We are (laughs) always. Well, so you're also learning that there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak, as well as the importance of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm -hmm. So much so that you are or have taken a break from social media. Yeah. So how are you laying down your desire to leave a mark on the world? and shifting your desire for God to leave a mark on your heart instead. And those are your words, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that, that quote, um, actually says maturity marks the need, uh, mellows the need to make your mark on the world. And instead longs for Christ to make his mark on your heart. And I think a lot of, uh, I think that just really just does like what it says. It comes with maturity in Christ and, and just realizing that we actually have Issues that stem from our heart problems. So, if we're consistently abiding in God's word and walking in the Spirit, as it says in Galatians five, we are uh, a lot more humble and more likely to approach people and situations in a loving way. Um, I think. I think whenever it talks about Jesus in the Great Commission in Matthew twenty-eight, surely. Jesus did not mean for us to only make disciples on social media. (laughs) In fact, I'm pretty positive that that's not what he meant. And for us to let our light shine, um, yes, on social media, that should be the overflow of our discipleship. But one on one discipleship is where Christ built all of his relationships. I mean, obviously, that's pretty obvious. There was no social media then. But I'm pretty certain that if you know there was social media then that that's not where he would be investing his time fully you know um i like i like to look at some of the uh, i guess missionaries or evangelists or just apolog- apologists who are uh, people that i look up to and and see what they look like on their social media and kind of follow what they're doing and you don't see too many things you know they're making a mark on the world and they are, they're walking in step with the spirit actually in person with the people that are around them. And I think that there's a huge difference between having the community online and having like actual, uh, you know, accountability is just completely different whenever you are with people face to face. It's really easy to get an idea of what people are like on social media. And I I, I say, I, I really do try to portray myself as consistently and as accurately as possible online. But even to that point, the way that I write and the way that I think is very well thought out. And a lot of times in real life, we can't necessarily think as well as we can write. We don't articulate as well as sitting down and being able to backspace and then retype and then backspace, you know, so those, those thoughts are perfected thoughts. And so just being able to walk through life with people um, unedited, I think is really beautiful. And really what Christ is calling us to do to make disciples and to build and let iron sharpen iron um, in person. Mm,
0: yeah, that is a good challenge for me personally. And actually our pastor just a couple of weeks ago talked about how Jesus walked everywhere. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. You know,
0: like, yeah. And then that was how he made those connections. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that point. Well, yes. So you have also called yourself a self lover before. Yeah. And I think we all have this tendency, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how do we move past this tendency to self love and move toward more self denial? Which doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs>
1: Yes, I know. And I, I think that self-denial is one of those words whenever we read it in the Bible and we're like, surely it doesn't say that,
0: (laughs) but it does.
1: It does. And I think going back to Genesis, like we are created in God's image and God created us to be influenced, which is, I think it's so funny that we now have this term influencer. But Mm -hmm. if we think about influencer, who is the greatest influencer? And it's, it's God and God created our hearts to want to worship. And we see this over and over again in the old Testament where, you know, his God's people are struggling to, uh, falling away from idol worshiping. It's in our nature to worship something and we all do it whether we are believers or we're unbelievers everybody is created in God's image and we all worship something whether that is God whether that is our our family or another person or our cell phones like there's something that we are dedicating more time to than we are to God and I love the passage in second Timothy three one through five and I won't read the whole thing because it's difficult but I think you'll get the point um it says, but understand this in the last days, they will be, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And it just goes on like ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, slanderous without self-control. And you see all of these things and you're like, oh my goodness. But what did it start off with? The passage says at the end of times, people will be lovers of self. So that is the very first thing that is mentioned in that passage. And I think whenever we really think about this, like lovers of self, what do all of these following things in this list, what do they, what do they follow? They follow self. So why are we lovers of money? Well, because we want things for ourselves. Why are we proud? Well, proud and arrogant. Those are right next to each other. Why are we proud and arrogant? Well, we probably think more highly of ourselves than than we ought to. Why are we abusive or disobedient to our parents? And it all points back. Why do we do those things? It's because we love ourselves more than we're loving God and loving people. And so how do we move past this is we can start seeing God rightly and we can start seeing ourselves and our sin in a way that like, man, like Isaiah and Job or John even did when I, in Isaiah six, five, you know, um, God approaches or walks past him and, and he says, woe is me for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And Job, he says here in, in Job 42, four through six, he says here and I will speak. I will question you and I will make it known and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you and therefore I despise myself. And so whenever we look at these people who have actually um i mean i know the bible says no one has actually seen god but just been in the actual presence of god like mm-hmm. i can i can say for certainty that i probably haven't been in the the same experience that isaiah job or john were whenever they were mm-hmm. actually in the presence of god and how did these people respond and they when the way that they respond is woe in me and i despise myself because they see how strong the presence of God is and how holy he is. And then we can start seeing ourselves rightly and say, man, I'm actually not as great as I thought I was. And I think whenever we can look at God for who he is, we can really start seeing ourselves rightly. But um, there's a there's another great passage in Hebrews 12, and it's a description of God and it's um, verses 16 through 19. And this is God saying, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And this is, these are words that God is describing to describe himself. And how often have you been in a church service that, that speaks of God as a blazing fire, someone who cannot be touched, darkness, gloom, and a tempest. And can you imagine just like standing in a storm? as this, a tempest is just like a wild wind. So imagine a tornado, like running towards you and you're just standing there. And like, that's the fear of the Lord. Like, would I just stand there? Or would I be down on my face? But what's so, what's so amazing about this is that that God that is being described in Romans 31, it says, well, then shall we say these things for if God is for us, who can be against us? So that God, that is, oh, um, of darkness and gloom and a tempest. That's also a loving God who is for us. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness, like how beautiful is that, that we can just see that, that God that is beyond what we can fathom that whenever we look at him and we look at ourselves and we're like, wow, woe is me, but wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for all that you are because, because you are for me. And so who can be against me? You know, I think that that's so beautiful.
0: It is. And so interesting, Brooke. I, I love every bit of what you just said. Well, you know, you, you mentioned also Job and, you know, yeah. well, most of us know the trials that he has had. So Absolutely. Um, I think that segues into the next question. You know, as, as Christians, we have a tendency to blame Satan for all of our trials. Mm-hmm. But you say that trials don't always happen to us, but for us. Yeah. And that we should embrace them wholeheartedly by asking God to sustain us and grow us for his purposes. Yeah. So this is difficult. It is. <laughs> but would you expand on why you believe this?
1: Yes. We think about Job um, and we think about when Satan wants to go and attack Job. Where did Satan have to go before he had permission to go after Job? He went to God because yeah. God is sovereign. And God allows suffering to happen for His own glory, and um, I think sometimes we can be so quick to say, "Oh, well, the enemy's after me." Oh man, like the enemy's really after me. Get back, Satan, you know. And 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 sometimes that's what it really is. But we also have to realize that that God God allows suffering to happen for His for His namesake and for glory to be shown through you. And I think that there's a huge difference between, um, the suffering of a believer and the suffering of an unbeliever. Um, and sometimes like in Job, we can be an example to those who are around us of how to suffer well. And in first Peter 2 21, it says, for you have been called for, for to this, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. So how did Christ suffer? And And speaking of Christ, jumping to that, we know that Jesus suffered on the cross and Jesus cried to cried out to God and said, take this cup from me. And, and God turns his face away from God or from Jesus, because he's like, you know, this is my plan. It was, it was God's will to crush him as it says in Isaiah. And how, how hard is that for us to understand that, man, like if God turned his, his face away from Jesus so that he can suffer and die for all of us why do we think that we are any better to say, God, why wouldn't you take this from me? Because we see that Christ died and suffered for us also. And so it's just a matter of learning how to suffer in a way that brings God glory. And it's, it's not an easy thing. I've gone through some pretty hard times myself and you're just like, God, like, I don't understand this. Like, please take this from me. But I think that in that time of suffering when we're totally depleted of ourselves is whenever we can draw so close to God and just feel his closeness. And because, you know, in the good times, it's easy to say like, you know, things are good. Like I'm good. I don't need to worry. And maybe we're still in scripture, but things are fine. But whenever I, I think that you can probably attest to this yourself, whenever you've gone through suffering as a Christian, you feel God on a different level. Yeah. And I think the good news is with um with Jesus whenever he died on the cross that, you know, the good news is that he didn't stay there. Like yeah. he rose and we will too. And it may not be in this lifetime. We may suffer. Like we that might be the that might be the case. But the good news is that because we know Jesus and because of what Jesus did, that we can rise and we will rise and we will
0: be with Jesus because of what he did on the cross. Mm, Amen. Well, so it is very evident of your passion um, for the Bible and Bible literacy. And so because of your love of God's word, you actually host a theology Thursday. And, And so even though you are confident that it is what God has asked you to do, you're also honest to say that it has caused you to wrestle with your weakness. What is, what is your emptiness teaching you? So (laughs) funny fact,
1: I, um, sometimes would call a friend and I would just cry before theology Thursday. And I think, um, that's a good place to be because honestly, um, it, it's very real to me that being in that position that it says in James three, one, that teachers will be judged with greater strictness. And Mm -hmm. that honestly, that, that scared me (laughs) and not, not, not necessarily out of fear of man. Although sometimes that is the case. Sometimes I am scared to say things because what people might say back to me,
0: Yeah, but I think a
1: lot of it did have to do with, you know, I don't want to misinterpret or give a false representation of who God is by saying something wrong. And um, I think that that's where a lot of that fear was coming from. Um, But I think in this process of learning how to work through this Theology Thursday and really helping women become more biblically literate or whatever the case, I think um, just requires you to just trust in the Lord and know that no matter what I say, like, I am not the one that's going to save anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, salvation belongs to him and it doesn't belong to me. And so while I may say something, um, just in a slip up of just speaking, you know, if I am completely, totally emptied of myself, allow the Holy spirit to speak through me, then that's where I want to be. Like I want to be completely emptied of myself. And I think honestly, that's why I would cry a whole lot before these theology Thursdays, because I feel that weight of like, man, like just take me away because I don't want to be a part of any of this. Like, this is actually really hard for me and I don't want to misrepresent you. And I want only you to shine through. And... Um, yeah, it was, it's definitely not easy. I know probably having a podcast is very similar. So I, there were, there were some weeks that I would sit down to do a theology Thursday and I just wouldn't come up with anything. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, you know, you have this writer's block. And if you're not, if you're not going to give me the words to say, then I'm not going to get on. And I think that that's one of those things that just comes with maturity and knowing that I'm not building, cause I do my um, theology Thursday through social media and I'm not, I'm not building we're doing this theology Thursday to build a following. I'm, I'm doing this because I want people to know you better. And so if you don't want me to do this today, then, then we're not going to do it. And it, it does say theology Thursday. And I try to get on every Thursday, but if God doesn't provide those words, I'm not going to get on just for the sake of getting on to speak. I'm going to pray that God gives me the words and the wisdom. And you know, if there's some days that I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know, I don't, God, I, I just don't, Know what to say right now, and mm-hmm. so just knowing to have the wisdom of when to speak and when not to speak, like what we were talking about earlier, and knowing that it's okay to sometimes step off because I don't want to be in a position to say something that was completely me and completely off, and just m- misrepresent God, yeah,
0: uh, I love your heart so much and and I uh connect with what you're saying so much and. I think that you're right to say that when we're weak, that he is strong. And if we were able to do it in our own strength, then he wouldn't get the glory. We would. Absolutely. um, Yes. That's good. so, So one of my favorite posts from you says that faith with works is a sign that you are alive in the spirit works is symptomatic to a faith that is fruitful mm-hmm. so as the host of the love offering podcast, I love this so much <laughs> <laughs> so how do you suggest that we become and remain fruitful in our faith?
1: you know I think that there's there's three main things that I would that I would suggest is that one we need to water our spirits and the only way we can do that is when we're in God's word and uh, I think it's especially for me sometimes to get caught up is, and now with school and being a mom with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. It's like, man, like my, I'm really, really busy and yeah. making sure that we're setting aside time, even if it doesn't look like the quiet time that we thought it would look like. I have my alarm set for five thirty every morning to get up. And sometimes I wake up and I'm ready to go at five and my alarm didn't even go off and I'm just up and ready to go. And uh, some mornings I hit that snooze button and I get my quiet time in with my kids sitting on my lap and we work together and, you know, we read through passages together, but I think it's just making sure that we are finding at least some point in our day to, to water our spirits. And that's one thing that uh, I guess I wanted to touch on is the beginning of 2019, whenever we were talking about all that growth and secondary faith one thing that's so important and why we should be in God's word is because if we are just trusting these other secondary sources and we're not getting in God's word for ourselves, then we're leaving our eternity up to other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. if we're if yeah. we're only looking at what other people are telling us about God. I like to use the illustration of my husband when we were dating. Like whenever we first started dating, I didn't go to my best friend and say, "Hey, I think that he's really cute. Can you go over there and can you ask him, you know, what, what things does he like, you know? And, and then I go send her over there and then she comes over and she tells me, and it begins this telephone game. And I'm like, you know, starting to, starting to really like him, but I continue through, through the engagement and through the marriage to just live through my friend, to, Mm -hmm. to tell me everything back and forth. But I didn't do that because I loved like I started falling in love with him in the dating years and then in the engagement years and now in marriage. And so I, I love him. So if I love him, I'm going to go right to him. I'm going to go straight to him and I'm going to find out everything I can about him because I love him myself. Mm. And, and I think that a huge thing with that is we can flip that and say, God, I love you. And because of that, yes, these other things are good. Having, going to church and being in ministry and you know, listening to podcasts and reading books about you, man, those things are great, but nothing is like getting in your word, God. Like, this is what I, this is what I crave. And this is what I love because this is where you are. And yeah. so, um, I just love in, uh, the first John four nineteen. it says we love because he first loved us and, and just going there because we know that God loves us and we desire to be with him. And I think that that's a huge thing. And then just keeping our eyes and focused on Jesus and staying humble because it's, it's so easy to start looking side to side and, you know, seeing comparison in other people and like, oh, well, why does she think that? Or why, why does she have that? And I don't have that gift that she has. And, you know, different things are. And we can start to look at other people. But whenever we start looking side to side and not looking up and down, that goes back to, you know, if we always look at Jesus, we're going to remain humble. Um, If sometimes we look side to side, we might get kind of prideful because we can see other people and we're always blinded by our own sin. So we have to keep that in the back of our minds, knowing that we're probably more sinful than we think that we are. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just have a desire to keep learning um, and never uh, lose that desire to just be in his word and to be in his presence. And I think as the more and more you get into God's word, the more and more you crave more of him. And I don't think that that's any coincidence that that's where God is. So why wouldn't we want to be there? Yeah.
0: ah, oh, so good. You know, um, my pastor actually this weekend was just talking about, you know, th- when we plant the seeds and water them, he is in charge of the harvest. Absolutely. Thought, like As you were talking about just the fruitfulness of our lives that you know we can do what we can do, and then then trust him with the harvest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so okay. So this season, I am asking my guests who has loved them well, and so I'm interested to hear from you, Brooke. Who first comes to mind for you of of someone that loved you well, or or loves you well, and how have they loved you well?
1: I I feel like this might be a cliche thing to say
0: because I'm a wife,
1: but I would definitely say my husband. Um I think. Man, my husband sees the ugliest parts of me and the purest parts of me, but mainly the ugliest parts of me, and just loves me so unconditionally, and just encourages me in the Lord. And I think it's, uh, man, I feel like once you have kids, just the whole thing, your whole marriage can change and shift because, yeah. man, mar- motherhood is really sanctifying, and and yeah. marriage is very sanctifying, and so to have a husband that continually pushes me and I think we're in this stage right now where we're both trying to learn how to accept criticism in a way that is beneficial and to not take offense very quickly Mm. and um that's been that's a hard lesson to learn but I'm thankful that we're walking through that because man in our uh early early marriage years it's it, it, (laughs) it was a completely wild ride you know just being married and uh, it's one of those things you're learning each other. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, we're continuing to strive after the Lord. And uh, I'm just really thankful for a husband who loves Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, it makes
0: all the difference. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So we talked about your taking a break on and off, except maybe on Thursdays of social media, but I know after hearing you talk, listeners are going to want to keep connected with you. Yeah. so, how can they best um, keep in contact? Yeah, actually, um, I'm not going to be staying off of social media too much longer. My
1: goal was um, to be off social media during this semester of school. It was my first semester getting back into school, and I just wanted to make sure that whenever I was starting school, I'm doing apologetics class right now, and I don't know about you, but apologetics can get me a little riled up and want to defend everything. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I'm taking an apologetics class. I'm going to step back, just use some wisdom and discernment and take this, uh, temptation away to want to battle every single thing. (laughs) So I stepped off. I stepped away. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be stepping away for too much longer. The plan was to just be off for about, uh, I guess two months or so as I started these first few classes. So I should actually be back on social media here pretty soon. Um, my handle at the gorgeous grace. So that's a great way to keep in contact with me. Um, I have my email attached to that also, so they can also keep in contact with me there.
0: Okay. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for being my guest today.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for I, having me.
0: I love your heart and your Bible knowledge is inspiring, but not in like a, I'm not, not in an envious way, but like <laughs> as in a, I know, like I thought the whole common thread of your talk was so much
1: humility, you know, oh, well, thank you. Um, That's something that honestly, I'm really trying to strive towards and I just hope that everybody can
0: yeah, can just that, hear, hear that. That is what I heard. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, so yeah, thanks for helping us all to see the gorgeous grace available to all of us. Amen. And, uh, yeah. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Brooke Tabor. I hope that after listening today that you realize God's gorgeous grace that is available to you as well. If you are interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook. I would love to connect with you there as well. And also you can go to rachelkadams.com to sign up to subscribe for weekly emails that send the show notes directly to your inbox. Next week, my guest is Roni Ross. She is the author of One Woman Can Change the World. I hope that you tune in then to reclaim your God given, designed influence and impact right where you are. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.